Welcome to the Dynasty Devo, a podcast dedicated to bringing you a little bit of Dynasty football news and a whole lot of good news to make your day better. I'm your host, Clint Followell, on Twitter, at Fantasy Pastor. Thank you for joining us. Let's jump right in. Good morning. It is September 9th. And tonight, we have NFL football. That's right. Dallas at Tampa Bay. Tonight, it's going to be a great game to kick off the NFL season, and I am so excited. We've spent all offseason coming up with our takes, giving predictions, evaluating players, coming up with more hot takes, recycling news over and over and over, and it finally stops. Now we get to watch football and make new takes and hot takes and recycle different news. It's kind of the same thing, but at least we have football to watch. I can't be more excited, and I hope you are too. Can I take just a minute to brag about my son, though? Is it okay? Is that all right? I don't care. I'm going to do it. Here's the deal. My middle son has been working all summer long trying to get bigger, faster, stronger for football this year. And last week was his first game, and he didn't play as well as he wanted to, and he was really frustrated, and he almost just wanted to give up. And I kept telling him, work hard, work hard, work hard. And then the beginning of this week, he made a couple mistakes in practice. He kept coming home and he was discouraged. And then yesterday, uh, they were doing kickoff returns. And the coach uh, knew that he was frustrated. And he said, hey, you want a chance to redeem yourself? Here's your one chance. And so David got back there and lined up a kickoff return. They kicked it to him. And he, like, trucked two players and stiff-armed another and just kept going. And the coach was, like, cheering on the sideline. And I was so excited to see my son take something that was a discouragement and use it as fuel and fire. And and so now that's he's going to be starting the, the, as a kickoff returner uh, for his middle school football team. Uh, he's playing uh, nose tackle uh, in six-man. It's the weirdest thing I've ever watched. Uh, six-man is not the same as 11-man, but it's still fun. Um, and it's awesome to get to see my son take things that could be obstacles or uh, things that would discourage him and use that to make himself better. And that's kind of what we should all be doing. As fantasy analysts or whatever job you have or whatever relationship problem you're going through, we should always be taking those challenges as opportunities to improve ourselves and get better and work harder. So keep grinding, and I hope you're encouraged by uh, my son's effort, and I'll update you after tonight uh, how his game went and how he did next week. With NFL football kicking off tonight, I wanted to talk about five situations this week that I am watching because they have such a big impact, not only this year, but for our Dynasty rosters. All right, so the first situation tonight... Dallas at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay returning all of their starters. That Super Bowl winning team with an absolutely monster defense going up against the Dallas Cowboys, who we 
think will have an elite offense. We hope for fantasy purposes. It is just amazing. Because the first four games with a healthy Dak Prescott, they were on an absolute terror of a pace for offense. And so we hope that they jump right back into it. So tonight, the situation I'm watching very, very closely is Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Now, I still believe that Amari Cooper is going to be the guy that Dak relies on, but CeeDee Lamb might be the bigger play receiver and the one that could score more fantasy points for us. But I think tonight is going to be a great litmus test because with them facing maybe the best defense they're going to face all year long, we'll know exactly where Dak is going to turn to, who he's going to look to, and who's going to be that primary, when we need a catch, where are they going? Are they still going to Amari Cooper, or will C.D. Lamb begin to break out and become the true number one wide receiver in Dallas? Last year, with an abbreviated offseason, with very little time for rookies to come in and adjust. We see that Amari was, through week four, the clear number one. He had 51 targets, 37 receptions, 401 yards, 476 air yards, one touchdown. He had a a target percentage of 26.5%. He was the alpha. But CeeDee Lamb on only 21 receptions compared to 37, only had 100 yards less, 309 receiving yards and two touchdowns. He had a target percentage of 14.5%. Now, if if CeeDee Lamb is able to increase his target percentage up closer to 20 and Amari's drops a little and you, and you see it even out, their dots were both right in the almost exact same place. 9.33 for Amari, 9.29 yards for C.D. Lamb. And if you break it down a little bit further and look at their yards after catch, C.D. Lamb averaged about one yard more after, after the catch than Amari did. C.D. averaged 4.9 yards after catch per reception while Amari averaged 3.78 yards after catch per reception. All this to say, if C.D. Lamb gets a little more volume and some of Amari's volume drops, it's very easy to see how C.D. could become the alpha even this year. And so I'm watching the situation, mostly because I love C.D. Lamb, and I want to see him explode, but I, I still really like Amari, too, And so ultimately, the real conclusion for Dynasty is keep Dak Prescott and keep trying to acquire him at whatever cost because he's going to be a QB1 for as long as he has these guys on his roster. The next situation that I'm keeping my eye on this week is the Andy Dalton-Justin Fields quarterback situation for the Chicago Bears. This week, they play at the LA Rams for a Sunday night primetime game at 7.20. And Andy Dalton is the starter. Wet blanket. I can't be more sad by this. I want to see Justin Fields and what he can do. Now, 
let's rewind a little bit. If you rewind to a year ago, it was clear that Trevor Lawrence was the number one and Justin Fields was the number two quarterback. And they have been that way since they were in high school, right? Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence have been head-to-head -head as the number one or number two quarterback since they've been in high school. Everybody's been looking at them. All the Debbie people have been talking about these guys forever. We watched them play in college, and they were both electric and then they went to the the combine, and Justin Fields blazed a 4-4-40. And somehow, at the NFL draft, he falls. He, what were these teams thinking? I, I don't get it. San Francisco, okay, they trade up, and they get Trey Lance. This was their guy. I'm not really sure what they see that Trey Lance can do better than Justin Fields, unless they're just looking at the fact that he's a raw prospect and maybe his ceiling is something we've never seen before. That's the only thing I can see. But Justin Fields does everything. He runs, he's fast, he's strong, he's got a great arm, he's got good anticipation, he plays big in big games. On draft night, everybody knew number one overall it was Trevor Lawrence. No surprise. By the time the draft got around, we knew, or at least we were pretty confident, the New York Jets were taking Zach Wilson. Now, I'm not going to say definitively that Justin Fields will be better because nobody knows the future, but if you look at their resumes and what they accomplished and what they were able to do, Justin Fields was a better prospect. And it just was. But they took Zach Wilson. Okay, fine. And then number three, like I said, San Francisco trades up to get Trey Lance. Um, and I think it's because of that untapped potential that might be there. But then Fields just, it felt like he kept falling and falling and falling. And I thought Denver was going to take him at nine. Well, I thought the Panthers were going to take him at eight. And then I thought the Broncos would take him at nine. Neither of them did, and it, he just fell into the Chicago Bears' lap. And then all of a sudden, and then we go through the offseason where there's lots of questions about uh, his ability and why did he fall and all of these things. And now there's this QB competition because of Andy Dalton. And I'm just, I'm just not listening, guys. Justin Fields is going to be fine. Not just fine, he's going to be an amazing, electric NFL quarterback, and I can't wait to see it. And I kind of hope the Rams come in and just absolutely destroy the Bears the first half so that it leaves them absolutely no choice but to put Justin Fields in second half and we get to see what he can do against a top-tier NFL defense. Now, it's not an ideal situation for Fields to get thrown into, but I want to see it. Because like I said, he, he plays big in big games. And this may not be like a meaningful big game, but if he gets to play, I think he's going to be just fine. He's going to take charge of that job, and it's going to be his afterwards. Now, if Andy Dalton comes in and somehow is serviceable and keeps the game close against the Los Angeles Rams wet blanket again because we're gonna have to wait for Justin Fields and that's not what I'm here for so my hope is the Rams come in and just wreck havoc on that offense 
to force them to put Justin Fields in. The third and fourth situations that I am paying attention to this weekend for dynasty purposes come from the same team, the Denver Broncos. They play at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 325 p.m. Central Time. And you have the debate that's been going on all offseason. Who is their wide receiver one? Is it Jerry Judy or is it Cortland Sutton? And here's the thing. We can look at last year's stats. We can talk about how they've performed through their years in the NFL. And we can make our best guesses. But it comes down to this year what really happens. Because they have a new quarterback. Jerry Judy has had a full year to get used to the system and to develop as a wide receiver. Cortland Sutton is coming back from an injury. So there are so many variables that it doesn't really matter what we think we know. We won't really know until we see it on the field. What I do know is I have heard from the football guys that in the practices and through the preseason, the offense has run through Jerry Judy. Now, that may or may not be the case when the season actually starts and we finally get to see what happens. Personally, I think it is going to run through Judy. Uh, I think Bridgewater being their quarterback, uh, he is he fits the profile. Judy fits the profile of the receiver that Bridgewater would use more as an alpha. But again, we're not going to know what's going to happen until it actually happens. So I'm excited to see it. But what about the running back position? Is Melvin Gordon going to be the workhorse? Or is Javante Williams going to come in as a rookie and take a significant portion of the work? That's been the, the burning question. A lot of people were thinking that Melvin Gordon would get released or traded or something would happen. And guess what? It didn't. And this offense looks like one that's going to run the ball a lot. I think what we're going to see is Melvin Gordon will be the guy, the main guy, the RB1A, for at least the first few weeks until he either gets hurt or Javante Williams. Javante Williams is able to show and highlight how good he is, and he'll slowly eat away at the, the share of that backfield until he becomes the guy. I'm not concerned that Williams uh, is, is not going to be the guy. I think he will be. But it may take a few games, and we'll see what that running back split is going to look like this game. But I'm also a little nervous, based on past history, that we won't really know a definitive answer after this week. Because the Broncos historically have taken, at least the last couple years, have taken two running backs and kind of flip-flopped and played the hot hand approach. And that may be what we see here. If Melvin Gordon comes out and he's running well and running hard, he may be the guy this game, but next game it might be Javante Williams. Who knows, really, but we at least get to see him run. And I'm excited to see Williams highlight his ability because I do believe he's got some big play ability, uh, and, and I'm excited to see what he can do this week. The last situation is very similar to the previous one. This is the 49ers running back position between Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon. They play at Detroit 
Sunday at noon. Now, <laughs> I don't know that we're really going to get a clear indication if if uh, if one of these running backs is going to be a workhorse because I don't think either one, at least initially, will be a complete total workhorse. But what I do think is that both of them will have flex value, especially this game. This game, Detroit, just looks like a dumpster fire on paper, and maybe they come out and prove us wrong, but I don't see them really putting up a fight against the 49ers, and that means they're going to be able to run the ball at will. And I think Raheem Mostert's going to go out there and have a great game. I think Trey Sermon's going to go out there and have a good game, too. And I don't know we're going to learn a lot about it, but we are going to get to see Trey Sermon in this offense. And we know what Mostert can do. He's fast, and he's got huge, big play potential, but he can't stay healthy. Now, if he somehow stays healthy, this guy, Mostert, could be a league winner and a huge value in any draft that you got him this year because he was going late. But Trey Sermon looks like the guy that's going to eventually be a very a really well-rounded, solid running back that has just immense skill. And in, in a Shanahan offense, if we can get that one guy, it's the dream, right? He could be the RB1, and who knows what happens. But this week, I think both of them are going to go out there and be flex-worthy. I don't think we're going to learn a lot about how it's going to be split exactly uh, for the rest of the season, but we just go out there and enjoy it. Just enjoy this game. Just enjoy the running game because it's going to be a work of art. It always is with the 49ers as long as they can stay healthy. And so let's let's just enjoy that and just take it in as you watch Mostert rip off those big plays and Trey Sermon just punish defenders. And now it's time for some good news. Last week, uh, I was in a Twitter group message, and this guy was sharing a story that just encouraged me and as I was reading it I thought oh that's it I want everyone to hear that and be encouraged and so this week Matthew Cooper is going to share a little bit of a good news story slash uh, thing that he's heard before uh, with you and so listen up and be encouraged hey everyone my name's Matthew Cooper you might know me as the coop on Twitter um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of good news story um, it's an old story, but uh, one from one of my favorite people, Mr. Rogers, uh, who I look up to a lot. Um, the story is that he would get a lot of uh, viewer mail, and he would respond to all of them. Well, he got one um, from a girl that was concerned about his fish because he said that he had fish, but he never said when he was feeding them. Well, this girl just happened to be visually impaired, and she would cry whenever he would mention his fish, but didn't say he was feeding them. And so from then on, he would say, I'm feeding my fish whenever he did on the program. And it was for that one person. And I think that means a lot to me because I always believe that even one person matters. And it's important to keep that frame of mind whenever you're interacting with people in real life and on Twitter. So hopefully that brought you a little bit of... Uh, happiness today. Have a good one. Huge thank you to Coop for being my first quote-unquote guest on this podcast. I want to bring in stories from the community. If you have a story you want to share, please share it. But this week, based on what he had to say, make sure you treat 
each other. You look to the people around you and one at a time you just say, you matter, you matter, you matter. Because every single person matters. Now you can choose to not interact with people in negative situations and that's fine. But in terms of interacting, when you are on Twitter or in real life, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, every single person matters. So this week, reach out to someone that you may not know and let them know that they matter. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of the Dynasty Devo. Make sure you follow at the underscore coop this week and thank him for sharing his story. I'm at Fantasy Pastor. Would love it if he gave me a follow. And if you have any feedback, please reach out. Let me know. What can I do to make this podcast better? And if you have some good news to share with the community, send it my way and I'll reach out and let you know how we can get it into this podcast. Until next week, be blessed, have a great week, and enjoy some NFL football.